Well, hey, good morning. My name is Neil. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love that opportunity. We are currently in a series on the life of Joseph. You can see it loud and clear here. Um, And we're understanding all the things that God is doing in Joseph's life and how he's up to big things in our lives as well. And so last week was a little bit of a sobering passage. If you were here, we learned at the end of chapter 37 that suffering takes us somewhere important. And we see that in Joseph's life. And we're tracking along in the work that God did in him. And we see that in our lives as well, that suffering takes us to an important place. If you're just joining us this week, we're so glad you're here. We're going to pick up with Genesis 39 and the next part of the story. And we start to see a little bit of a positive turn here in Joseph's life. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to grab them. We'll be in Genesis 39 and specifically in verses 1 through 6, the first part of verse 6 there today. And so if you don't have a Bible, I invite you to grab the one in the seat back in front of you there. Page 33, we'll be tracking along. Additionally, we have a Ridgewood Church app, and many of you have downloaded that. And it's a great way to stay connected to all the things that are happening at the church. It's also something that we're working really hard on to provide resources for you. So if you want to download that, if you don't already have it, we have guest Wi-Fi here. When you click the media portion of the app, it takes you to sermon notes. You can click the specific day. We've already got today's notes loaded in. You'll be able to see the points. You'll see the passage. You can take notes in the app. Just want to draw your attention to that as well. But Genesis 39 verses 1 through 6, let's read that here. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar An officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer over his house. And put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer of his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So we see in this passage today, our title is Unexpected Steps in God's Indelible Hand. That God brings unexpected things our way, but he's with us all along and his hand is with us. And we'll see that as we track through the passage here today. Pastor and author Paul Tripp, maybe many of you have heard of him. uh, He's known for saying the phrase, I don't know if he coined the phrase, but he's known for saying it a lot, that all frustration is born out of unmet expectations. So all frustration is born out of unmet expectations. So if I'm expecting things to go one way in my life and then they go the other way, what does that create in me? Oftentimes it creates frustration in us when the things that we desire to happen don't happen. And in an unexpected way, events change. What do we do? How do we respond? And so we see that really closely in the relationships that we have and those that are closest to us. And so, uh, you know, why do you do the things the way that you do? Or, hey, why does your family do Christmas like this? You know, once you get married and you kind of and what you're really saying is you're doing it wrong. You know, we should do it my way. You know, why do you put the toilet paper on the wrong way? And so you know what I'm saying here. So there's a yes way, there's a no way, and then a whole other category of you monster. We won't talk about that. And I'll say by God's grace, I'm in categories one and three, and I'm, I'm trending towards category one there. So we all have expectations in life. 
And as funny as it is to think about the things that frustrate us about those that are closest to us, we really do, whether subconsciously or consciously, we're all the time building expectations. And oftentimes we superimpose those on the people around us. And to take that a step further, we tend to many times press those in onto God. And instead of coming to him with childlike expectancy, and I love the worship today, that we come before him and just say, hey, I want to glorify you today. I'm looking to you with expectancy to do great things, but you're in charge. I want to follow and track along with what you have. Instead, we bring our own agenda and say, hey, Lord, here's all the things that we're doing today. You can join in if you want to. Oftentimes, that's how we do it, and we press our expectations onto God. And so how do you respond when things don't go your way and when things take a significant and unexpected turn? This is the story of Joseph, and it's our story as well. So I just invite you to listen with new ears today for your own story as we track along with things that God's doing in Joseph's life and just listen with new ears for what God would be saying to you specifically. And so we've seen many unexpected steps in his journey so far, and we see more of that today. So the first thing that I just want to draw you to is in verse 1, the things that are taking place in Joseph's life, that there's unexpected steps there. So where we left off last week, as I said, it was a pretty sobering passage that Joseph is experiencing a lot of hatred, malice, frustration from his brothers, and just wholesale rejection on everything that he knew. He got pushed out and pushed away from that. And so his brothers intended to kill him and get him out of their life. And then they see the Ishmaelites coming from the distance and they say, hey, we could actually go a step further. We could line our pockets a little bit. What if we sold him? And we could fake his death to our father and we could just go forward with life having a little more coin in our pocket. And so the circumstances in Joseph's life are dire. This isn't like a, hey, I spilled coffee on the way to work today and uh, my boss looked at me funny or my fantasy football team quite isn't measuring up like I had hoped this season. It's very dire life and death circumstances. And... What about you? Perhaps you today are experiencing things that are so unexpected and so deeply challenging, and you're questioning God. You're questioning a lot of things that you might be saying, hey, I did not think that this is where I would end up, and I don't know that I could take much more of this. This is unexpected to me, and I didn't see it coming. Maybe for you it's a family skirmish that turned into what is now a complete division of family. And different sides aren't talking to each other. Maybe it's something within your work that you thought you were on this track and you were so excited for where you were headed and things took an unexpected turn. And now you're just questioning, is this even what I want to do? Is this even what I feel called to do? Perhaps that's where you are today. Maybe it is an unexpected diagnosis and you're just saying, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I move forward? I just didn't understand or expect this to be true. And that's the scene that we find ourselves in with Joseph here today. And when he's brought down to Egypt, it says that he was sold to Potiphar. And just to set a little context of who Potiphar is, it says that he was the captain of the guard in Pharaoh's army. And so don't think mall security guard, think chief executioner. And so if you're a mall security guard, praise God for you, by the way. Um, but this guy's an intense dude. And if he shows up to your house... Uh, unexpectedly, it's going to ruin your weekend. Like he carries that kind of fear and he has that kind of power and influence. And so for Joseph to come into what he, the circumstances that he finds himself in, it's very intense and very confusing for him. One little side note rabbit trail is that the Ishmaelites are from the descendants of Ishmael, who was, if you remember back, Abraham and Hagar's attempted value add to God's plan. And isn't it fascinating 
how intricately involved God utilizes circumstances and people and how he's weaving things together. And so he's carrying the blessing from Abraham all the way to Joseph. And I just find it really fascinating that the Ishmaelites played a role in delivering Joseph into the plan that God had for him in Egypt. So side note, but I think important about the layers of God's involvement in our life. So if we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes and we feel the weight of the mounting challenges and changes and just a total loss of equilibrium for him. If we put ourselves in that place, it's an important place for us to see because we start to see that things change. And what about you? Have you experienced those unexpected steps? And I just would encourage you, if that's where you are today and you feel frustrated or you feel alone or you feel like God isn't present or listening, that instead of tucking in and focusing on yourself and just living in the question of why, let me just encourage you to lift up your gaze and look up to the Lord, and he will be the one that begins to comfort you, calm you, and lead you. We need to look up. The next thing that we see is that the Lord is with Joseph, and the Lord is with you in verses 2 and 3. This is something that my mom told me a thousand times growing up. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Everywhere she'd drop me off or take me, she would say that. And it always meant a little something to me, but I never realized the importance of it until we start to track through the scriptures and see all the places where God's presence is what changes everything. And so when the Lord shows up in Joseph's life, it's a really critical thing. And it's amazing that when Jesus called his disciples and gave us the Great Commission and said, hey, you're going to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I've uh, asked you to obey, all the things I've commanded you. And then he says something awesome. And hey, guess what? I'm going to be with you. My presence will be with you until the end of the age, that God's presence is what changes things. And it's a big deal in this passage here. The Lord was with Joseph. It's significant, too, because as Pastor Paul has been drawing our attention all along the way in this series thus far, is that this story is not about uh, Joseph's five keys to getting ahead in the workplace or anything like that. It's not about how shrewd and amazing Joseph is. It's about the real hero of the story, and it's God. And the passage says in verse 3 that God gave Joseph success. He became a successful man and was in the house of his Egyptian master. So even though Joseph was a slave... So now he finds himself as a slave. He's building off a complete lack of freedom as his foundation. The Lord's with him. And be encouraged today that if you come from humble beginnings, or if you're in a season of your life where you feel like you've had to almost start completely over, that's not always an indication that the Lord isn't working, that he is with you. And behind the scenes, he's working on your behalf. And so wherever you come from and whatever your story is, where you find yourself today, that the Lord is working on our behalf. And I think it's a fascinating thing because we have the benefit of seeing the bigger picture of Joseph's life, how the Lord is weaving those things together. A mentor of mine uh, is in his 60s. We had a phone call on Monday uh, this past week, and he was just talking about his life. And he said, you know, as I look kind of over the span of my life, there's multiple seasons that just felt almost unbearable. And he said, if I could have pushed away from the table, if I could have gotten away from those circumstances and gotten them out of my life, in the moment I absolutely would have opted out and said, yes, Lord, I don't want these challenging things, these difficult things in my life. But he said, now as I kind of have a little more space and I'm looking back over the varying trials of my life, he said, I look at that as sacred turf. And it just pierced me to think about that, how God works in our lives in those ways that we've all experienced. Peaks and valleys in the ways that the Lord is working, that he's with us. 
His presence is with Joseph. Verse 3, 2 says that Potiphar saw that it was God that gave Joseph success. So he's reacting to what he's seeing and he's giving glory to God that it was God that gave him success. And I think for some of us as Christians, uh, perhaps the Lord has blessed us exceedingly. And I think some of us that are in that category may carry a little bit of shame or embarrassment with that. I just want to encourage you today that if the Lord has blessed you, he's poured out resources on you. He has great intent for everything that he's done in your life, and he wants to use you. And I, it's fascinating to note as well that Joseph's grandfather, so his dad's father-in-law, Laban, brought wealth and influence and power into Jacob's life uh, as well, just a few chapters before, that God was elevating his chosen people and that there's great influence and wealth there. And God isn't scared of ambition, of big picture thinking, of planning, and of going after incredible things for his kingdom. And ambition, sometimes I think we try to kind of squelch that because we feel like it's our self coming out. Oftentimes, maybe it is. But I really believe there's a holy ambition that the Lord draws out of us. And if he gives us success, he means for us to step out and do those things. And I just want to encourage us all today, let's stop fretting over things getting too big whatever category of life that might be in. And let's really look to the Lord for his influence, his guidance, and be more concerned that we're not leaning in enough with faith that things might be too small. God gives success, and he gave it to Joseph here. Do you believe that the Lord is with you? When you think about your day, you think about the relationships you're in, you think about the influence that God has given you, the circles that you run in, do you believe that the Lord is with you? And perhaps there might be an area of your life where you need to confess unbelief or a lack of faith because you know that the Lord is guiding you towards something specific and you just haven't done it yet out of fear, out of concern, out of just, you know, not wanting to to step out and put yourself out there. And perhaps that's some of us in the room today, that there's an area of, of our life that we need to confess a lack of faith in believing in. So the Lord's with Joseph and he's with us as well. The third thing we see in verses 3 and 4 as we continue on is that we can trust and should trust God's purposes for our days. That even in unexpected steps, that his indelible hand is there, that it marks us in lasting ways. And there's a level of excellence here in Joseph's life that's described that points to something and someone greater that's taking place. So much so that Potiphar says, hey, Bro, you have way more ability in this area than I do. I'm just going to give the helm to you. I'm turning it all over to you because whatever you touch is turning to gold. And historians believe that Joseph's role in Potiphar's house was that of a general manager. And so Joseph's beginning to grow, that the Lord has wired him for this. It's fascinating to think about that. God put him in these circumstances, having already wired him to do a great job, and and the Lord's making him a success. So he's an overseer of an extensive amount of land. That's what scholars and historians believe, that Potiphar's wealth came mostly from his land, but also he's managing an entire household. So if you think of a large estate and all the work that goes in, the vast amount of work that goes into caring for that, that's what Joseph is learning to do and God is growing him as a manager and as we continue forward in the story here in a few weeks we'll see just how significant that is we need to know that the Lord wastes nothing in our lives just take great comfort in that that God is developing us using us in every aspect of our life he means to use those for his purposes that his indelible hand on your life is readily seen that it's true 
a couple of phrases to draw your attention to here in verse 4. Uh, found favor is an interesting phrase. It's not one that we use a lot, I don't think, in our day here. But it just speaks of an act of displaying fondness. So God graced Joseph with this ability, and he's with him, and he's having success. And so Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes. And so instead of being treated harshly and just very intensely uh, physically beating a lot of times the slaves back then, Joseph was actually honored and elevated for the things that was taking place and for what he was doing. So that's what Potiphar did, that, that he elevated him and Joseph found favor. And then Joseph responded and was already living this out, that he attended to him. And that phrase is interesting too. It just speaks of serving well or to minister to. Joseph was working hard at blessing, serving, and caring, and he really, it wasn't just like, hey, how do I just do the bare minimum? It's good for us to hear sometimes that we just like to kind of get right up to the edge. How do I do the bare minimum? He was going way beyond that to try to bless his master and his household and everybody in the mix there. God has his hand on your work and your calling. Do you believe that? You believe that your work matters. Be encouraged that it does, that your work is meant to be an act of worship to the Lord. That he's the one that called you to it. We all need to hear that today. Consider Colossians 3, 23 and 24 here on the screen. says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. What an amazing passage. I have found in being in the church for a long time and also having worked in and out of the marketplace for a lot of my career that... I think a lot of teaching in the church has sold those that work in the marketplace very short on a perspective that God means for us to have. And that is the sacred and secular divide has been confusing and causes a lot of issues. And here's what I mean, that in a sacred sense, we all look at pastors or missionaries and say, wow, look at their calling. Like God really has a call in their life. And then the rest of us kind of feel like second class citizens that we just are supposed to live a moral life and come to church and, and give our money. And God really has way more in mind for us than that. That the scriptures say that, that every one of us is a minister. That we're all to be equipped to do the work of ministry. And it, that really ought to impact how we view our calling. That we aren't second class citizens. That every one of us has been called of the Lord to very specific things. A few years ago I got the chance to go to New York City for the Center for Faith and Work conference. Kind of an interesting title. That was a confusing one to people on the plane that I was telling them where I was going on the way there. Um, but a really, really amazing time. It was put on by Redeemer Church that Pastor Tim Keller uh, founded. And I got paired up with a lady named Catherine Alsdorf in our breakout time. And I didn't know that she was actually the one that founded the Center for Faith and Work. So I'm just talking with her. And we just had a great about 20 minutes just one-on-one going through reflection questions And it was fascinating to hear her story. And she is a lady that has had tremendous influence, just a phenomenal leader. She has been the CEO of several tech companies in California. And then the Lord called her to New York City. And it was crazy to to hear her story. And she just said, as a believer, I looked at the totality of my week and just wondered, where is God in this? And I haven't been trained to think about God in this context. I go to church on Sunday or I go to my Bible study. And of course, here I am thinking about the Lord and his influence in my life. But then with the lion's share of my day and my week, what do I do with that? And so that took her on a journey of discovery and ultimately led to just a lot of cool things that are happening. So Center for Faith and Work, if you're interested in looking that up, they've got some really, really great resources there. 
But she co-wrote this book with Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. And here's just a, a reflection from her in that book. It says, The gospel reminds us that God cares about the products we make, the companies we work for, and the customers we serve. Isn't that awesome? Let me just read that again. I think it's good for us just to consider that for everything that the Lord has called each one of you in specifically, that God cares about the products you make, the companies that you work for, and the customers you serve. He not only loves us, she says, but also loves the world and wants to serve it well. She said, my work is a critical way in which God is caring for the human beings uh, for human beings and renewing his world. God's the one that gives us our vision and our hope. How great is that, that the Lord's called us to that? So we aren't just in our jobs to fund missions or to evangelize our coworkers, even though both of those things are great. But the Lord has called us to something very specific that we can walk in. And there's an excellence in Joseph's life as he lives out what the Lord has given him to do that really matters and is important for us to get a hold of today. You might say, Neil, that's great, but I really despise what I do. So what about that? How do you know the Lord has called me to that? And I would just encourage you really simply that if the Lord has called you to it, at least for today and probably for tomorrow, that he's called you to it. And just like Joseph, that, that we are to work very hard at everything that he's called us to, whether we're a student or we're working in the marketplace, working in a nonprofit, wherever the Lord's called us to, that for today and tomorrow, until he moves us on, that we're to give everything we have to that. Proverbs 28:19 on the screen here is a good one. It says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So God has given us a territory to work in this season, and we, we need to press into it just like Joseph did with everything that we have. Let me just say, too, if you find yourself in a place of really struggling in the work that you're in and you want somebody to listen to you, to encourage you, to support you, I just want you to know that our ministry staff is here for you and we would love to chat with you and to connect you and to be a support to you, pray for you in any way that we can. So if that's you, just invite you to reach out to me or Pastor Paul or anybody on our ministry staff team for that. So it's important that we see that God is trustworthy and he has incredible purpose for our days in the in the meat and potatoes of everything that we do that he's guiding us he has purpose for us the last thing that we see here in this passage in verse five and six as we kind of turn towards the close let's reread uh verses five and six it says from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had the lord blessed the egyptian's house for joseph's sake the blessing of the lord was on all that he had in house and field So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. So all those around Joseph were receiving the spillover, the blessing of the fact that God showed up and for Joseph's sake was blessing everything that he touched. And it's interesting, you know, as I said before, we can kind of look at the totality of the story and see all that God's doing in Joseph's life. But in that moment, he's just now, I believe, Figuring out, okay, the Lord is doing some things on my behalf. Something's happening here that's out of normal. And it's out of the daily faithful moments that he just presses in and does the small things and does them well. It's in those faithful moments that God shows up and begins to use that in a great way. He's given him favor. And I think for us, we don't tend to see in the daily moments the grandeur of the bigger picture of everything that God means for us to see. But he's honored when we're faithful and steadfast in the work that he's given us to do. When you think about faithful people, who comes to mind for you? 
For me, uh, today, my parents have been married for 51 years. So 1966, they got married in downtown Minneapolis. And um, I'm grateful for them because they have just been faithful to each other and they have been faithful to tending to the land that God has given them. My dad is an incredible steward and he just has been really, really careful to move forward with everything that God has entrusted him with. He worked the same company, Santa Fe Railway, his whole career. And I'm grateful for the faithfulness of my parents. It means a lot. Another person that came to mind is Billy Graham. And here's a guy that's been faithful for decade upon decade. And he's been given audience with so many world leaders. And I really believe that it's not just because of the words that he says that he's been given audience with these different leaders, but it's because the insides match the outside of what he says. He can be trusted, and he's been faithful day after day. Who do you think of when you think of faithful people? The blessing of God as it spills over onto other people is hugely important for us to see in this passage. And as we've said a couple times already in Genesis 12 that God blessed Abraham, Abraham and Sarah were not able to have kids for most of their life and they're frustrated. And the number one thing that they would want to have from the Lord is give us a child. And God comes to him and says, hey, not only am I going to give you a child, but I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He says, in you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And so out on the hill with plenty of open sky above him, he said, look up and see the stars in the sky, the promise of the covenant that God was making with him. And your descendants will outnumber what you see up there. What an amazing thing that God is making a covenant. And he said, hey, I'm going to bless you. That blessing carried from him to his son Isaac, to Jacob. It's here now in Joseph's life as well. And it's spilling over. And that blessing carries all the way in through the lineage of Jesus Christ, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless, perfect life, and he died on the cross for our sins, and he was raised on the third day for us, so the blessing can spill over into our life, that we are the recipients of that blessing, that Jesus measured up in all the ways that we couldn't so that we might have the blessing. What an amazing thing, that God's grace would draw us into that. And when we put faith in what Jesus did, the finished work of Christ to pay for your sins and for my sins, that we receive that blessing, that we're walking in that. And I love what author Brennan Manning says, that it levels the playing field, that God's grace levels the playing field, that the eager beaver and the lazy, smiling drunk receive the same wage because God's grace is so amazing. And that when we put our faith in him, we receive that blessing ourselves, that it spills over. So my hope for us in this passage today is that we would see God's indelible hand in Joseph's life, that even when He didn't see him working, that the Lord was working on our behalf and on his behalf, and that we would feel that as well. And that wherever circumstances you find yourself in today, that God is with you. And that even in the pain, the challenge, and the frustration, that the Lord is working on your behalf and his presence is with you. So I just invite you to bow your heads. Let's just consider what the Lord would be saying to us today. God's sovereignty is so important and practical to our lives because he's near to us. And he's not distant and uninterested, and he's loving and involved instead. He's a perfect father. I just want to ask you, do you know him? Have you experienced that love? That thousands and thousands of years ago, that blessing would travel all the way from Joseph's life into Christ, and then we receive it many thousand years later is an incredible thing. God is up to something amazing, and he's able to do these things. 
So let's just sit quietly before the Lord for a moment. And I just want to invite you, if you don't know the Lord, or if you want to explore or have a little more dialogue along what it means to be a Christian, that I'll be available down here after service. And we're not going to single you out, just invite you to come and have a conversation. And for the rest of us as we sit here, just ponder what the Lord might be saying to you here in this moment.